I'm recording this. Hey, Macarena. Why? What the fuck? Ooh. What the fuck? Actually, that helps a lot. <laughs> Best audio testing ever. <laughs> all right, I'm going. You're going. We're all going. Okay, but we have to start with some very important news because wait. I just learned something huge. So should I? Should I be huge? Should I, news. should I be recording? Some, hold on. Should, wait. Huge news. Wait. Huge news. Record on this computer. All right. Okay. Start. Start. Go ahead and leave. This is now. this is very extremely important. Okay. Okay. In August, there's going to be a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, and I will be there on opening night. <laughs> 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 All right. Qual- yes, quality content. We have nothing but quality content. Here. The art is so good for it. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Is it like live? Is it live or is it no, animated? No, no, it's animated and it's so pretty and it's actually like teenagers and not men and men pretending to be teenagers. Oh, it was it's so good. I laughed my ass off at the trailer and I can't wait. <laughs> Little 80s baby's so happy. <laughs> <clears throat> That's adorable. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in a Half Shell, Turtle Power, power. Turtle Power. Wow. Are you we, on a delay again? We are, really, are you talking about me? Yeah. What? How, what? How? You are late. No. Hey, just because I mean, te- I'm not technically a, uh, you. Re- Technically, you were both late, but Andrew was more so late. Mm. <laughs> we can fix me in post. L- listen, listen. <laughs> just because I don't have the rhythmic acuity of a percussionist or apparently a bassoonist doesn't make me less You're of a damn musician. right. <laughs> you are damn right. That's what that is right there. I had to play the Mario Brothers arrangement as the not first, not second, but third bassoonist, with which only plays in the other two players' rests. I am incredible at rhythm after that. AKA hella syncopation, as the Utes would say. Oh my God, it hurt. Hocketing, even. I walked off that stage and people were like, I didn't actually know you were good at rhythm. I was like, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I worked really hard on this, actually. (laughs) Dude, I I found out. I found out uh, on what's today uh, last week that uh, one of my composers, he's he's a sophomore. This whole time, no idea. Kid has perfect pitch. <laughs> I thought like, you had no in, idea he was a sophomore. I was like, I'm really starting to worry about well, you. <laughs> well, also that. <laughs> no, but like, but he's he's in my theory class and. Uh, we were listening to something. It was like, no, no, no. That, I'm pretty sure that was a D flat. And I was like, yeah. what? There's only one type of like, student who says that. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, do you have perfect pitch? He was like, well, I wasn't born with it, but I just trained myself like really, really hard. I mean, and I, yes. I, and I'm, I'm always skeptical, skeptical of that statement. Skeptical, but skeptical, but, uh, 
I I'd like put him to the test and he was a hundred percent right on everything. I was like, wow. dude, how did you not tell me this? Anyway, I've weird, weird segue. <clears throat> I've actually noticed that, um, that a lot more of my students with perfect pitch are actually, are, are very cautious about disseminating that information. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, I don't know if this is like a trend. Oh uh-huh. yeah. A couple of them, like they're, friends in our class outed them and they were like i told you not to tell anybody that and i was like this is not the typical conversation i would use the phrase your friend outed you about but perfect pitch really (laughs) really well okay i mean it's it's it's, but it's one of the things for me as an oral skills teacher like every bit of information that i can leverage to help a student connect with material is information that I want to have. I, I I don't like when students like play keep away with what it is that they do or do not hear. I do, I do, yes. it, it's and especially since I have thirty of them now in my classes. That's that's no, we can't play keep away with the information. I need the info. <laughs> Dude, Ryan Ryan Seisky did this to me all the time. <laughs> uh, he didn't have perfect. He didn't have perfect pitch, but what he would do is he would write a piece. I'd be in lessons with him for, you know, half a semester, whole semester, whatever. And then at the performance, he gets up and he tells he tells the audience what it's really about. And I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, you don't don't you think I maybe would have steered you one way or the other had I known about this?" See, I like, have the opposite what the hell? problem. Every once in a while, a student comes in and wants to tell me the story of the piece. And I'm like, write a fucking phrase first. Okay. I don't care if it's about a one-eyed pirate. I don't care. I don't care if it's a one-eyed pirate who fulfilled his dreams of becoming a clown. And it's about the clarinets that ride around in circles around. I don't care at all. That's a great story. I'm in. I'm in. There was a story dots that was- on the page. <laughs> dots on the page. Dots on the page. I put some dots on that page to tell you how to construct this piece and the clowns and the circles and that whatever. None of that matters. And every once in a while, there's a student who's just too into that stupid story. This this <laughs> is such a beautiful segue into our podcast topic today. Oh shit! This <laughs> this the other thing. Um, now, before I say that, it is uh, it is my turn to lead, right? I've lost count at this point. I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, it's yours. Okay, good. Okay, good. Go for okay, it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna I was gonna do a Chat GPT part two, uh, but uh, I yeah I see that friends. I see, I'm but, sorry, I forgot. No, to send no. you the why podcast. Would it, why would it be? No, it wouldn't be Jamie Lee Sampson's fault. That's 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 not no. Um, <sighs> But it it gave me an opportunity to do some active independent thinking of the chat uh, for for some questions for you all related to compositional technique. So, and this has to do with maybe those dots on the page. (laughs) So, Rob McClure, um, what's your favorite technique for generating organic pitch content, either harmonic or melodic? What do you mean organic pitch content? That sounds like it belongs in the freaking piece, dude. <laughs> I don't understand this question. What's my what's my favorite thing to like generate pitch content? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that what we're doing? That's Oh, that's what we're doing. Okay. We're, we're doing this. Because remember, I surprised that they have no idea what questions I'm asking them today. And he asked yeah. Rob first, so I get to think about it. <laughs> get, get ready, Samson. Question okay. number two is coming at you. <laughs> I don't get to answer question number she one as well. Of course you she do. Doesn't no. get to, this is only for me? No, it's All right, everybody. so... I mean, this this answer has. I also, if you hear in the background, this. What are you I, I'm doing? I'm playing with it. He's I, it's, organically it's one of those, generating like, pitch material. It's one of those fidgety things that I stole from my children. Um, <laughs> I wonder if my Rubik's cube will could, I'll pick up on the. Oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's coming through. <laughs> and for the rest of you, this is the sound right. of me slurping wine. <laughs> There was no sound. I know. <laughs> it brings many I was layers at least hoping of for peace. A slurp. <laughs> no. no. Okay, so <laughs> classy. Uh, I don't to answer, <laughs> you just use the phrase "classy" <laughs> to talk wine. about your elevatedness. <laughs> I think if you use the word "classy," there is no chance in hell you are actually "quote unquote" classy. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You uh, okay. you keep playing with that plastic toy. <laughs> I will. Um, so, at different stages, uh, so of course this this is a now question. Like, what is your favorite thing to do now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because at different stages of life, it would have been a different answer. Um, I have been very much into this idea of uh, matching. Uh, still using sets as mm. my basic um building blocks, but um the sets are only realistically they're they're mostly harmonic material, <clears throat> and then any sort of uh you know uh horizontal or vertical or uh, horizontal or melodic material will be generated from scales in which those sets can fit. So um, this whole thing came about because several years ago, um, several years ago, two two years ago, two two or three years ago, um, I was teaching a honors tutorial to a freshman uh, at the time. And um, he was like, oh, I want to learn about like scale, like different scales and stuff. Okay, so we did the modes, and then we did the um, acoustic scale and its modes, and then we did the, you know, whole tone octatonic, we did the messian, the messian modes, but then um, a later part of the semester, we got into um, the, actually, uh, we were talking about Ryan Seisky earlier, um, while he was my student, he was constantly talking about this thing, the Lydian chromatic concept, mm-hmm. which is uh, George Russell. And um, it was uh, it's, you know, mostly used by improvisers. And it's a it's kind of a, a theory that um, jazzers use or at least used to. Um, according to, you know, different people I've talked to, like not many people actually use it in practice. Um, They use some other stuff that might be analogous or whatever, but Ryan was always going on and on about it. And like, finally, after he graduated, because I couldn't give him the satisfaction while he was still my student. Oh, you pulled a Stravinsky. um, 
<laughs> so I finally I bought I bought his I bought the book and uh, I kind of dug into it a little bit with the idea that hey this is a way uh, he has a method of you know taking a chord and pairing it with one of his uh, different Lydian scales that he identified. Um, and I was like, oh, that's super cool, but I don't want to just be constricted to only Lydian scales, you know? Right. And, and it was like Lydian, uh, you know, Lydian Mixolydian, which is the acoustic scale, Lydian Augmented, which is a um, a uh, um, a mode of the acoustic scale, and a couple other, and then it was like whole tone, octatonic, and yeah. the, other, the other octatonic, like... All of his scales had different names except for one, maybe. And and even even the Lydian diminished, I think is if I'm remembering correctly, is a um is a mode of the like harmonic minor or harmonic major or something like that. Anyway. So I designed a max because the whole thing about this is you have to know, like you just have to know these harmonies and how, what scales can fit on top of these harmonies. And it's like, God damn, that's a lifetime of, of actually like, you know, memorizing all this stuff. I was like, that's not happening. So (laughs) I designed a max patch (laughs) to where I could choose a chord and the actually the original Max Patch sucks. Version two <laughs> is where it's at. Um, nice. It got a it got a big redesign and it it's an so upgrade. functional now. <clears throat> oh, it it got a huge upgrade. Anyway, so basically the idea is I can put a set in up to six notes because right you know yeah after that point you're just playing you're just playing scales scales on scales on scales. Um, you can put in a six-note set and um, in normal order, in integer notation, and my program will find all the scales that this thing fits into naturally. Hmm. Um, so, like, t- for and, and this includes all diatonic modes, acoustic modes, uh, um melodic minor modes, uh, melodic major modes, whole tone, octatonic, all the messian scales. I feel like that's it. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a healthy amount right there. Yeah. I mean, it's all, what do you, what are those oh, the called? Pre- the, the pressing scales. The pressing scales. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all of those plus the messian modes. Um, and, um, Basically, anymore, I just uh, have I come up with sets that I like, and I thread them through my uh, my max patch, and it gives me all the possibilities too. Because like a lot of time, I don't just because it's like, oh well, I, this chord fits into this scale. I'm just going to use this scale over this chord. It's like, no, I want to have the flexibility. You, you want some options? To, yeah, I want some options. So this gives you all the options. And because I am very much a like sit at the piano and improvise type of composer, um, I need to see those options in front of me. Yep. So I put my set in and it just gives me all the notes of the scale and I can come up with something that way. So that's been what I've been doing recently. I did that for uh, Bloom, 
the mm. piano and electronics piece. I did that somewhat for the new piece that I wrote um, uh, for the uh, campground ensemble. The Deco has done a bunch. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, I'm using it to write the um, the current piece I'm working on, the saxophone ensemble for the Fredonia saxophone um, ensemble Sweet. for Wilde. Right. Um, yeah, so I think, like, that's my new thing. Um, and that's after, like, many, many years of doing uh, pitch fields, <laughs> which I will not talk about at all. <laughs> they're dead to me good that gives that gives something for me to talk about <laughs> Jamie. Next. What? um yeah i think my process has developed and yet is still very much the same it's still improv based i use the improv to guide a matrix based on the exposure of the pitch content it's not about non-repetition i don't follow those rules of serialism i i count a pitch once it's popped up in the texture it is the next one in the row once i get all 12 pitches i form a matrix and that can generate you know 144 right god I should know this number. 144 possibilities for additional. I know it's Monday night. Don't rob. <laughs> um, I said are, nothing. Are we? Are hey. we? Ta- are we talking? For, well, it depends on what kind of a matrix you're using. Never mind. Uh, num- numbers are irrelevant. <laughs> wow. A okay. whole shit Anyways, ton. <laughs> I use the, the different row options of a matrix to guide additional exposure rows, essentially. So. Again, repetition is totally possible. Um, and I don't use I don't use the matrix all that much anymore, honestly. Like I have them and they're almost like a security blanket. Um, I very rarely need help generating new material that sounds related, and that's partially because my harmonic language has gotten stronger through experimentation, and it's partially because I do a shit ton of melodic development. And I'm using pitches that are, I mean, if I go back to the row, if I go back to the matrix at all, it's usually because I have a rhythm and a contour and I just need some pitch to fill it in. And I can take any corner. I can take, you know, a cluster in the middle. I just need some things that look and sound related. So yeah, that's a lot more of what I'm doing. I also have been making the weirdest analogies about my music lately um, because the more I develop the ideas, I think technically if we wanted to sound fancy about it, I'd consider myself a collage composer now Ooh. because sections are always borrowing from other sections of a piece and I'm always looking for additional material to... I mean, collage is collage in the visual arts term. Why are you making that face, Rob? He's making that face because of the visual art term. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Not, um, I'm not coming okay, from. Okay, keep keep going, keep going. Okay, so um, the the weirder analogies I've made about this, though, I've been talking a lot to my high school students now about what I do, and to make it friendlier. <laughs> I call this either squirrel or trash panda technique. (laughs) 
because I'm constantly stealing from some areas and hiding it somewhere with that even I will forget. Like, history won't remember why this viola part sounds this way because I don't remember why. Trash and panda I, it's, harmonic accumulation. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's so good. Can I can I start telling my students they need to be trash pandas because yes. yeah, squirrely like, trash pandas. There, it's just yeah. I'm, there I'm, are several. I'm really over clean boundaries of different sections. I don't want sound worlds to change entirely. I want it to feel like this whole entire piece is related, and therefore I will steal from the end and give to the beginning. I will steal from the beginning accompanimental fragments turn into melodies at the end. It's just, it's been the way I've, I've, it's been part of what I've been going towards for years. And I just finally feel like I have all of the language now that I need to do it. But yeah, I'm coming up with just the most hilarious ways to describe it. This is the squirrel technique. Go find some nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, I, I have a student right now where it's like, Dude, look backwards, look backwards, look backwards. Quit writing new shit. You have (laughs) everything you need. Yeah. Like, start stealing from yourself. God damn it. I mean, I think I start originally started coming up with this because so many students write hardline transitions where everything changes all at once or they have to come to a complete stop in order to transition. And you can only do that so often in a piece before you just... Yeah, it kills the effect. Well, well just and that kills yeah. the momentum. Isn't, like, there's no forward drive in the piece because you're constantly starting and stopping. So well, I started yeah. teaching them about what I call a zipper transition, where you are crossing things over one tooth at a time. Or um, my favorite thing to teach is what if I asked you to sew something that is like hunting vest orange to a piece of mm. mauve lace? That is what you're doing with your composition. <laughs> That is what you're doing with your composition. And if you don't have material in the middle of the two that ties in that bright fucking orange with some mauve, they don't ever go together. But you can find that. And then you have a more gradual transition. And that those are the two analogies. Everything comes back to sewing, apparently. But- oh, that's puce. <laughs> <laughs> So Jamie, I uh, the the idea of the um, uh, the matrix, yeah. Um, essentially, it's just there to like, oh, there are some pitches, and I can make any shapes that I want. They don't have to be rows. They don't have to be straight lines. I can go mm-hmm. to any. I, I can. It, it is just like here are um, uh, 144 pitches. Rose. Is that how many there? Yeah, it's well, 48. It's 12. If you're, 12. Do, if you're doing 12 by 40, 12, 48. It's, it's 48. Yeah, 48. sorry. 48. Oh, sorry. there we go. Yeah, that yeah, was the yeah, number yeah. I was losing. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're doing 12 by 12, because you could get, like, again, matrix yeah. size is not predetermined. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah. Um, okay, okay anyway. Rob. So, so I have written inelegant pieces. I, had, I got commissioned to write a piece about a hurricane, and so I started in the center and I spiraled out. I uh-huh. had a different piece that was about water, where if you went down a 12-tone row and ended on an E-flat, you could only enter 
the Matrix again on a different E flat because you had to flow mm. in and out of it like water. Um, yeah, 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 so exactly. Like, so I've used it that way. I don't do those so much anymore. But now what I tend to go for is like I know I need a specific contour and only certain segments of a row are going to work. Now, once I find one of them, I can choose any pitch. You know, I can choose any part of one of those 48 rows that matches that contour. But I know that I've I've found it, and I, here are all the transpositions of it. I can use, yeah, you know how to, how it works yeah. from there. But yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually like really really similar to what I. So I I also had a had a matrix for uh, Bloom, mm-hmm. and it's actually the the fast section. You know, it's just like it's just like fucking notes. Yeah, and I didn't want to write all those notes. You don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to think about it. I was just like, I knew I knew I needed notes, but hang on. So so I I didn't actually use because I wanted it to all sound like it was coming from a scale. I used different parts of the matrix. And then used those as like quote unquote scale steps to put to like get stuff out of the scale I was using from a Mession scale. Mm, but okay. it, again, it was like, oh, I'm just going to use this part. I'm just going to use this part. I'm just going to use this part right here. Like those are all the segments that would give me some like interesting things when yeah. I put it through this like this idea. So it sounds scale. like it's a tool. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like but, we're you we're both using it in like w- like when I use it and I actually um you know I for the for the current saxophone thing I'm doing right now it also has um a 12 tone row associated with it mostly for like just like pitch centers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's really interesting uh how w- what you're what you're talking about. That's I like that a lot. I mean, it's definitely I have tried, I I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy my version of serialism. I can listen to some other people's versions of serialism. And if that's your style, cool. But I think even, um, even there's a quote from Webern that was like, this isn't the type of music I actually like. I just feel like I have to write this. Okay. And it was, I, I have... An entry. I don't remember where I found that quote, but I can I can come back with footnotes, citations later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just thought that that was like a, such a sta- sad state of mentality about his own creative work. How, ma- how many decades are you going to work f- for teacher's approval? Right. A- and does it matter? And so I think like if if you are using any tool taught to you by your teacher you eventually have to make the decisions about what stays in your technique and what leaves your technique based on the style that you want to put out in the world. Your name is eventually in the upper right-hand corner with nothing else attached to it. And so I learned from a serialist. I learned from multiple serialists and I took what I wanted and I left the rest. And that's what I now encourage my students to do. I will teach you a ton of technique because I've got it. But eventually you need to make decisions about what techniques compile together to create the style of you. Because you can't be Jamie fucking yeah. Sampson. Excuse me. There's only one She's of those. Taken. 
<laughs> few people can. Very few people can. I'm, I'm thinking of that uh, Nadia Boulanger uh, uh, quote from Stravinsky, the, the thing where, like, like Stravinsky's asked about his technique and tries tries to answer it in some kind of erudite and eloquent way, and finally he says, you know, uh, uh, mon nez eh, ma technique eh, right? My nose is, my technique is. It's just, it's just what it's what it is. Um, and that's kind it's of a what really that, great cop out. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but at the same time, that's exactly what you're talking about, where you have you have all these techniques that you amass that end up hopefully you end up transcending the technique to create art. Yeah. So that, so that people yeah. aren't, aren't listening to your music, hearing the technique. Well, well I hope other composers so- are because like that's <laughs> otherwise they're not going to be able to steal it. <laughs> it. It's always so funny to me, the, uh, the composers and I find it to be particularly older, perhaps an older generation of composers that are just so like cl- the cards are so close to the chest when it comes to technique mm. because it's it's like they're maybe they're afraid of like someone stealing their secret sauce or oh, whatever yeah. but it's like yeah. dude it's they're it's just a tool how you use it comes from you right. it's like which is I'm I'm never afraid of teaching anyone what I do yeah. because they're never going to have my instincts yeah you know yep. like my instincts are my instincts and oh, it's like, not just their technique either. They also like gatekeep the shit out of how to make connections oh, yeah. with professional organizations. That was the most yeah. recent one that thank God he's, he's soon to retire. Um, not naming names, but I am just throwing out in the universe that he is soon to retire and won't tell students how to meet people in the orchestral world to get perform fuck commissions just performances. Just performances. That's yeah. it. They write for orchestra. They don't get it performed. Well, fuck that guy. Fuck gatekeepers. <laughs> Earning our expletive rating, uh, our explicit rating here this evening. Um, yeah, this is this is fun so far, and you know, a lot of what you all were talking about in terms of serialism reminds me a lot of you know Ursula Mamlock, reminds me a lot of Luigi Dalla Piccola. This idea that um, you know, you know Mamlock was all about that idea that well, once I've used the pitch, that's a free that's freebie now. That like mm-hmm. all the pitches I've used yeah. in the exposure, that's time to have fun with those. And so the serial principle. Actually, in that in that uh, solo violin or viola piece, depending upon which version you listen to, that that mm-hmm. uh, all three of us are kind of in love with the "From My Garden." From my um, garden, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, m- way more strict in terms of the rhythmic, like the time point aspects of that piece. Um, okay, all right, hang on, hang the fuck on, because oh, Mickey go, is peeps. doing this. Mickey is doing this as one of their. Um, uh, their pieces for orals, mm-hmm. and they could not find anything about the time point stuff. At least in a way that, like, you could point to this is this and this is this and this. Have you figured you, it out, right? You, you ready for you ready for this? And and again, uh, because, oh, I'm ready because Mamlock's a great composer, right? She's not. She she does have things where if if a if a time point has just occurred, she'll repeat it again if need be. If there's a feeling of that. But basically, uh, the sixteenth note is the basic durational unit. Zero is twelve sixteenth notes, and all of the other numbers. Now go look at the matrix, 
and look at the melody when it comes in on like the second system as soon as it starts that's a row if you if you look at the durations in 16th notes that's mm. a, that's a row that's a and and anybody shit, else keep, just got lost drink with me uh, uh, yeah it, uh, no that no, I'm, I'm with him I, i'm with him but i'm still gonna drink <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where it is, and I haven't now. To be to be perfectly honest, uh, I've I've done this piece for for theory four for uh, for theory four mm. uh, activities in class. So I've only gotten through the first like page or so with specific time point analysis. So I don't know if and okay. how it gets deconstructed further, but boy oh boy, it's like top of the matrix. As soon as that's done, the next row of the matrix, I'm like, oh, is this going to keep going? That like that's there's a setup like expectation, and that's one of the ways the melody sounds so improvised, because it's based on this ever expanding and contracting set of sixteenth note of 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 additive durations. Okay, I'm I'm not, their their arls are tomorrow. So I'm not gonna be, <laughs> I'm not gonna be Don't you dare. I'm not gonna be mean and ask them about this. But you know, uh Jamie, when we were when you were talking about like the row earlier, and it's not it's not mm-hmm. so much a row, but it's like a accumulation eventually towards completing the aggregate. Yes. Okay, so another one of Mickey's um Arl's pieces was uh, Davidovsky's Synchronisms number six. Oh, Synchronisms. Oh, love it. It's such a good piece. (laughs) Anyway, we both were shocked to find so little has been written about this piece. It's a, it won the fucking Pulitzer Prize. It was the the second piece, the second piece of electronic music ever. The only electroacoustic piece like instrument and electronics to ever win the and electronics, Prize. yeah at least I, I i haven't kept up with it maybe someone's won it since that had that uh thing i doubt it though um but it's like there is nothing written about this hmm. and interesting and you kind of dig in and it's like oh shit the first 12 notes are like all 12 pitches maybe this is serial and then you start digging and it's like, oh, fuck, this is not serial. Like, <laughs> not not in a Schoenberg way. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Right. And then, right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Mickey gave a presentation uh, on this piece last week. Uh, and I was like, hey, we should, you should check up on this. Like, it just seems like they're, and, and they were like, Oh, there, there's so many, uh, you know, it's like every tricord is used every, everywhere. And I'm like, well, that seems like it's, I mean, if, if there, if he's not paying attention to sets, then I mean, a a proliferation of tricords probably means that we're doing some 12 tone shit here. You know, because we're not seeing, oh, there's a 014. Oh, there's a 014. Oh, there's a 014. It's like, it's constantly changing and shit. Unless the sets are serialized. Well, (laughs) that that evening, uh, I I was supposed to be cooking 
uh, dinner, which I did, and Kate went down to Devil's Kettle to uh, get some French onion soup from our favorite bartender, Lucy, which she did. <laughs> and then she came back and she was like, you need to go down to the bar because Lucy, uh, she forgot to uh, bring a bowl and a knife for her dinner and she needs those. So you need to go down to the bar. And I was like, okay. And I was like, you know, if I'm going, I'm probably going to stay, right? She's like, yeah, 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 just go. It's fine. Um, so I had a brilliant night of euchre playing with all my euchre playing friends. And then okay. at about 1030, I come home and I'm like, let's get into some Davidovsky. Drunk. I love Jesus. I love where this is. Totally going. drunk. And I was like, I'm gonna of course. I'm gonna unlock the secret to this piece. I'm gonna crack this. That no one else has done in se- in 50 years. That's gonna be me right now. So I I start getting into it and it's just not working. Nothing is working in terms of 12 tone. So I'm like, but the aggregate is constantly being refreshed. Like I'm like, well, fuck, there must be some method to this madness. So I go on Google Scholar and instead of looking specifically for synchronism number six, because there is there is one like master's thesis or something that was written about 50 years ago. And it's absolute that makes trash. Count. It's absolute trash. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, it, it's it's really trash. Um, 50 years ago is the 70s. We don't take research from the 70s seriously. I'm sorry. Oh, it I was, thought that was the 80s. <laughs> Continue. So uh I just look up Davidovsky like pitch or something like that. Found mm. a doctoral dissertation from a former guest of this podcast. What? That's correct. Ooh. Inez Thibault. Uh, she okay. nice. is she was like way, way back. We're talking. We're definitely talking just double digits, not triple digits in episodes. She she and I had a fantastic conversation. She did this in 2016. It's not about synchronisms number six, but it's about other of Davidovsky's work. And I'm like, I'm reading the first 20 pages of this 180-page dissertation. And I'm like, holy shit, I think this is it. Like, this hmm. sounds really, really good. I think... The, and she says this in her dissertation. The reason that there is almost no scholarship on Davidovsky is because his pitch system is so fucking hard to understand. <laughs> but I think she knows it. Yeah. And and uh, it it's all it, it's all of these like different esoteric ways of completing the aggregate that's mm. not serialized. Yeah. Mm. But now I'm really interested. <clears throat> this conversation makes me want to go try serializing some trichords. That yeah, that that would be fun. You know? right? So so like, what would you do? I've done like, weirder and messier experiments. I need to know. <laughs> so would it be that you? So th- of course there are twelve trichords. There's yes. twelve trichords. So would you just yeah. number? Th- <laughs> would you? I mean, we would. Yeah. We would have to index number minus one. Correct. Uh huh. Um, and then your uh your row would that be the zero of every trichord? And how would you? It could. Be. And how would you? Or it could be like your your oh. com- compositional instinct guides. Like you could do an R I for the zero and a P for 
the tricord. I think we should all do this. I'm just. I'm, Let's. I'm can we all do this? I'm tickled by, like a miniature. Right. I'm. I'm tickled by the fact that you can take some really, really famous twelve uh, tone rows from the second Viennese school and have 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 these yeah. pieces based off of them, but in ways that are maybe surprising. Well, Let's do a set of like piano miniature experiments and see. And like, if it goes totally shit-tastic we will just play them here in a couple weeks (laughs) we will laugh about how awful this is but we're pushing this one up earlier into what we have recorded right we're going to release this earlier so we could do this in a couple weeks and it'll be like everybody's waiting everybody's waiting for this so ridiculous when when i read about like the whole like boulez idea of multiplication this is don't get me started no no no. and i i still don't (laughs) i still don't fucking understand what it means but this is what I thought it was. You know, mm, this really? this was what made sense to me. It's like you take the row and then each pitch becomes like uh, a, you know, a, you, I, I don't know what the you're, hell. It, you're, actually, you're actually talking like M multiplication as opposed to, to what Boulez multiplication is. You're actually talking about uh, the, the expansion and contraction of, of tricord or, or yes. of, of set classes. Yeah, I think so. When yes. You, yeah. When, when, you multiply, when you multiply a set class by a particular integer, um, a, set, uh, a small, a, a condensed set will expand to become a more, a more uh, open set and an open set will con- a collapse to become a more condensed set. Right. For instance, zero one two times four becomes zero right. four eight. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I thought this he was going with it. I still don't understand what he did, but that's okay. But that that whole idea of just like, okay, we don't need to complete the aggregate every 12 notes. Like <laughs> let's let's get a little bit more before hey, we, we do We had that. to start yeah. somewhere. Had to start somewhere. <laughs> no, it doesn't I I don't know. It, for <laughs> me, it doesn't matter the setting. The information supply is too fast for enjoyment. Yeah. It's true. That's my problem with it. So so I've I've grown to enjoy Babbitt's music at speed, but I've I've had to listen to it an awful lot. And and you know, maybe there's something in there about that. But I cannot I cannot tell you how many times I have put um some of the thornier pieces by Babbitt into I know this is sacrilegious, but into some kind of stereo track editor and just, you know, time stretched the hell out of it and then played it for uh, a, a group of muggles and they're all like, this is beautiful. I mean anything like, anything slow and atmospheric, <laughs> regardless of the pitch content, is gonna be beautiful. Uh-huh. It just is. So so it it make it brings us back to this idea of the system that we choose to find pitch to make it organic in our own right. Wait, what? can we call them trash panda miniatures? <gasps> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. If, <laughs> nope, I'm, that's, nope, that's where we are. If, if this if this works, I mean, I have a set of piano miniatures that I got to write. Like, I might just use this. Yeah, like, do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh no, this God. is, this is, I, I actually like, I really like where this conversation has kind of gone because it's something, it's something that I think about a lot as an algorithmic composer. It, if I, if I can call myself, if I can start labeling myself with all these things, I'm an algorithmic miniaturist. Ooh. Uh, but this, I'm this, a trash panda. Uh, geez, <laughs> t- this idea <Squirrel>. of, 
the the idea of struggling to find continuity and an organic kind of language for myself in the moment has always been very frustrating because um b- because I get super excited about surface detail and I kind of meander but when I when I have this this architecture or, or the maybe palette palette is a, here's my palette with all my various color harmonic combination things. You can dip into any one of these and, and, you know, change the hue a little bit and density and what have you, but you're basically going to end up with something that is not completely divorced from the material you're working. I always find that kind of <coughs> improvisation on the surface is much more, um, uh, <coughs> rewarding. In the like, the piece sounds better in the end, knowing that I had this underlying system that was flexible enough to handle a little play. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, <clears throat> sorry, God, I'm dying over here. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit out all of us coughing <laughs> into um, and my foot making noise on the chair. <laughs> so good. This is, this is the greatest acoustic environment ever. <laughs> so. I uh, just uh today's Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was <laughs> I wish yesterday. I w- wish we caught that face. <laughs> I was I was at school. I was working on this saxophone piece and um I ha- I I I made a I made a row out of a set that is the first set of the piece. And so it's oh two three fuck is it? Oh uh, oh two three six eight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah. Um so it's it's two oh two three six eights, which eventually gets that those are the notes right there. <laughs> But my my first one is uh, inverted. Ah, oh, so. nice. Anyway, um, so uh, you get two of those, and then you still need two more pitches. So E f- E flat is what we eventually get to, and then E natural is the other pitch. So the like those are the next section of the piece. So we're, the goal is to get to E flat, and then eventually to get to E natural. Anyway, trajectory. Yes. Um, but my, my, uh, my row, it just like really wasn't fucking working. And the harmonies that were above like the bass notes of the row and that, that's really what it is. It's just like, it's, it's a baseline. Um, yeah, it just, they, the, the whole idea was all of my harmonies would be, um, subsets of O two, uh, O two, three, six, eight. Um, you know, like make an inclusion lattice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Hashtag theory is fun. Fort. <laughs> um, <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Trash panda. <laughs> so it was just like, I don't have something thorny enough for this moment to get out of zero, two, three, six, eight. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's like, God damn it. It needs to be something like fucking this. And I played a zero, one, six, seven. And I was like, well, <laughs> it might have to be that right there. Like, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit. Well, and the thing is, 
I was using some 0157s earlier, and I was like, well, yeah. that doesn't belong to 02368. You know, I can't get that out of that. However, if I do a little mod trans magic from Matthew Santa, a 0146, those notes in octatonic become a 0157 when you yep. take it to Phrygian. Yep, yep. There's, so I there's figured out... Oh, well, shit, a 0146 in octatonic is a 0167 in Messian mode five. What up? Boom. What Boom. the fuck up? So it's like, it- <laughs> so it's like, I love to, I, 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 I still have the desire to rationalize some of my, some of my choices, but it, it totally yeah. was a choice of like, no, this is an instinct. Like, none of these are giving me what I need. I need to, something like this. This falls outside of the system. I have to break the system. And the the neat thing about it, though, is, and this is, this, I think this almost always happens, especially initially. So, so, so you describe a circumstance that happens right now where you're like, ah, but then your brain rationalizes it because we, as humans, we love patterns. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna find patterns. And some of those patterns might actually be pretty strong patterns, which other humans might actually see in here. That's great. And then we, we do what Jamie was talking about before, which is what Elliot Carter got to. Eventually, Elliot Carter, he didn't throw out his Harmony book, but it wasn't like he was actively looking stuff up you know, in his late nineties, it was like, Oh, I remember doing this thing before and this worked. So you get right. You, you experiment, there's the system. And then, and then you're like, you, you've used the system enough to become familiar with what it does well and what it doesn't do well and how you supplement it. So, well, and there's also, hold on, hold on. Cause I got to say this early trash Panda technique development <laughs> included, <laughs> included my instinct that, I don't like pieces that follow one set of rules the whole time. Yeah. I I was composing the body electric. In fact, Rob, you and I talked about this episode one. I don't like it when there is only one set of rules governing a piece. So I included in the body electric a set of rules to break the rules. And now I just realized that it was, it's now like, you know, a decade on, 12 years since that piece was written. And that was just me really starting to figure out early on that I needed a lot of layers to a piece for my, me to enjoy my own music. So yeah, that that logical progression of episode one Trash Panda Technique to Jamie Lee Sampson of today Trash Panda Technique is just that humans like comfort and continuity. Yeah, we need to establish the sound world. We need to, if you will, borrow from book talk. We need world building technique in the first few chapters. But then how long, Andrew, you constantly talk about our need to change every seven seconds. Seven, let's say seven to 14, but yes. Okay. Seven to 14, you change the texture of your piece or you, you capture their attention. You recapture attention every seven to 14 seconds, because that's about the average length of time. Someone will stand and look at a painting. That is our attention span. That was only six seconds, but. <laughs> Andrew, do me a favor. Stretch that a little. Bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so, a silence. Yeah, it was I a think- silence. He can do whatever he wants with it. So 
that yeah. could be that could be a whole seconds. that could be a whole fourteen seconds if he wanted it to be. Careful! I mean, we're 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 prepared. We're rapidly approaching copyright infringement. <laughs> no, seven uh, to fourteen seconds is not four thirty-three. Hey, silence won't be in the public domain for a few years yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I have I have two things. Two things. Yes. Um, first of all, uh, what you were saying about like. You you work through the system and then you kind of internalize it and then it just becomes your instincts at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Another student who is preparing for their orals right now, uh, not Mickey, but another one of my master's students, he was uh he chose a piece that we have also featured on the podcast, Matthew Evan Taylor. Nice. And um Matthew uh, he, uh, this, my student, Nick, he interviewed Matthew. Matthew was very gracious with his time. And, uh, Nick asked him point blank, like, well, you know, how did you, how did you write this piece? Like, are there any like theoretical things going into it? And Matthew kind of gave the answer of like, gosh, this was, you know, like seven years ago and I wrote it like really quick. So I don't really know. I don't think. Well, Nick, eh. I, My I, technique. Eh. I don't think I was thinking about anything. I was just like going, and I was like, mm. "Okay." But, and then we listened to it in seminar, and I was like, "Nick, you got to dig into this because I think that Matthew has internalized his own technique so much that yes." Yeah. He can just go and it comes out like that. That's not to say that there's nothing there, you know? Right, right. Like yep. We've talked yep. about this in the past, though. Like, there are those pieces where you are pushing your technique forward, where you're developing your style, where you are trying something new and it goes awesome or absolutely horribly. And yes, then there are those pieces. <laughs> there's no in between. Um <laughs> And then there are those pieces where you're like, hey, I have this opportunity for you, but it's due in six hours. And you just write on a caffeine pill, half yep. a sandwich, and pure fucking Adrenaline. instincts. Yeah. But our instincts are all of the technique that we are comfortable with. So yeah, I could probably write a serial piece because I have a lot of practice with it. Could I write what I'm doing right now? God, no. No, yeah. that takes a lot of effort. Um, and, and I've said the same thing to composers who talk about productivity in a year. I interviewed someone and I'm going to leave them anonymous because they were not throwing shade, but they write 40 pieces a year and they're mostly large ensemble pieces. And, uh, they were talking about, you know, our ability to live off of our catalog depends on putting out a high number of works so that you have the capacity to constantly network on their behalf, get second performances, all of that stuff. And that person came back to me and was like, this is not to throw shade at anybody who composes less. And I was like, no, honestly, like it makes a lot of sense. You're writing with a specific set of techniques. I am constantly changing my technique. So I don't write as much as you. And for a person who's only writing one piece a year, I don't know very many, but there are still some composers who only write one or two pieces a year, either because of their schedule or because they're trying to push into something entirely new. 
all of these are just different phases of technique development or reliance. Maybe that's the way to put it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, and I know who you're talking about. Um, and in that world that churns through new music so fast, it's like there's mm. no other way to be to make a living in that world other than just to keep up with the speed of demand. Yeah. There are definitely some ensembles and and that is cross world, by the way. There are some ensembles that are premier hogs. Yeah. And they want the next, the next, the next. And that is, there are some chamber ensembles that do that. There are some large ensembles. There are a plethora. There's a lot of people you could choose from. But yes, yeah, absolutely. If you are trying to get through a lot of premieres consistently, that means that the people who are writing for those ensembles are writing quickly and they are relying back on that technique that they already have. And maybe those aren't the pieces where we push the hardest for a new sound. Right. But, I mean, Stravinsky only had five style periods. I'm not going for six here. I'm not competitive. I'm just trying to make sure that I am not writing one harmonic progression in 1994 and then relying on it for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that is shade. <laughs> so, and I'm and it's it's also interesting because like it and it, it it came from a very specific time when um there was little to no hope for the future where like for instance flora is one of those times where i just like i don't have anything new i'm just going to sit back on what i know how to do and just do it you know well mm-hmm. At, that was second month third month of the pandemic first month Jeez. boom um that was so it, Rough. it 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 was like I'm not trying anything new. I don't have any any desire to push further. I just want to write something that works and that's going to get a performance in like four weeks, you know. So it was like gotta write fast. And uh, but on the other hand, it's like I. I my primary mentor teacher Kurt Stallman. I don't think he ever does anything twice. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like he is constant, and I don't know that that's the answer either. For me, at least, it's like I need to kind of sit with something for multiple pieces and try to refine it into a point where it's like, okay, this. Oh yeah, that's it. This is working now, and once I feel like it's working. It's probably time to now I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, it's probably time to break it and go do something else. Like for instance, I did the pitchfield thing for five years before I felt like it was finally time to break it and go do something else. And now this new mm-hmm. thing that I'm on, it took me three it took me like two or three years to even get onto this. There were several pieces in the interim that I had mm-hmm. like nothing to go on. And I was just like, oh well, we'll just try some stuff, I guess. You know, and now like I hit on the thing where I think like, oh, this this could last another like five or six years before yeah. um before we move on to the next thing or whatever. But I but also like, you know, it's not that I've completely abandoned the whole pitch field idea. It's just another, you know, it's just another tool. Yep. 
Well, and we started experimenting with the harmonic progressions uh, that we do in 2017. So it's about the five-year mark now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was... And I'm looking forward to turning it into microtonal harmony. Nice. That was the first thing. I had a second thing. Um, Okay. Why did I come up... What was... Silence. Silence is going to be uh, public domain. Yes. Um, (laughs) I was reading this article about how scientists have think they have figured out that nothing, the concept of nothing doesn't exist. Yeah. There is no nothing. Like, yeah, because even in a perfect vacuum, particles can still pop into existence. Do you know what they call this? Oh, tell me. I do not know the name it of it. It is called quantum foam. <laughs> Ooh. I don't understand it either. It was just a great, great set of words. What, what was it? What, what, what did the Greek philosophers talk about? The, the, like, the, 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 the stuff that were, there's the, like, ether. Maybe, is it, I think I it know. is ether. Is it? Is it like, we're, we're just, we're just like swimming in a vast, like, yeah connected fluid of some kind and everybody's like no it's it's atoms and then and it's like come to well maybe there maybe it all is just one connected kind of we're just we're just in one big foam party yeah well um uh you can i i I suppose you could think about this again conceptually the idea of nothing and the, the idea of absolute zero you know we're all we're all motion ceases right theoretically that's entirely plausible we can we can conceptualize this except or does will it ha- we can't we can't what we can't get there right because in order to get there you'd need something colder than that wait what How, right <laughs> they're trying they're trying to get to they're trying to get to absolute zero yeah right they're, they're trying and and we get very very close but in order to get to 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 suck the energy down to absolute zero, there needs to be something less than absolute zero to drop that temperature to absolute zero. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. It seems to be asthmatotic, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, <laughs> I've been I've I've gotten back into the Star Talk podcast, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and yeah, you know. In what is it, twenty billion years or something? Um, there's going to so we started with the Big Bang and then we're going to have the big rip where <laughs> the, <laughs> that's we're what just gonna fart it that's out. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea <laughs> <laughs> the absolute evidence that science, much like composition, is entirely still a male-dominated field. What the ever-loving fuck? No, it's because of this. Hey, it probably makes sense. Give him a chance. Let's... No. The idea, and I'm believe me, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I believe you. <laughs> the idea is that, okay, so space is expanding right now, right? Like mm-hmm. everything is moving away from each other. At a certain yep. point, um, space will uh, space will expand so much that it will overcome uh, gravity. Oh, it will overcome the strong 
nuclear force. It will overcome everything. Everything will become ripped apart. And that's when the universe, as we know it, ceases to be. It will not, like, recollapse. This idea of, like... The, uh, you know, cyclic universe where, oh, we get exploded and then we all come back together and then we explode again and then we all come back. You know, that's not going to happen. So we will we will spread apart so much that even atoms will not be able to hold together anymore. And all matter will cease to exist. That's the big it's the rip because at the fabric of space time literally rips apart. We'll rip apart. Hmm. That's the idea, at least. I'm tickled by this concept. They still need a better market. Well, nah. <laughs> big rip. Someone, rip someone it out. Be our- <laughs> <laughs> did you have? Did you have another question, Andrew? Are we still on question one? <laughs> we are on question. This is one. question number one, and I haven't even answered it yet. But that's, <laughs> that's beside the point. I don't need to answer because. Because uh, I'm, I actually, I'm actually quite fond of pitch fields in some way, and I'm still playing, I'm still playing around with them. So I don't, need, I don't need to answer that. All right. Um, I ha- I could do, I could do one more. All I could right. do one more. Uh, We're an hour and six minutes in. This is, is it so concise? Yeah, w- one, one more. Or it's gonna, should this be another episode? Gonna be, no, it's nah, gonna be so concise. It's gonna be so concise. Jamie Lee Sampson. Jamie Lee Sampson. Because, mm-hmm. because you got to prepare for the last one. Now you mm-hmm. don't get to prepare. Um. How do you evaluate structural problems in your music, like problems of form? When you encounter a problem, how, how do you know? How do you know? I listen. Yeah, that's an. They, <laughs> so you told you it was going to be concise. It, totally easy question. You just listen. Yeah, I step away from the computer, so I separate the visuals of the score from my aural experience, and I listen for what I'd be pissed off at at a concert. <laughs> yep. I listen to those moments where I'm like, I'm not sitting through that shit. That is way too long. You're not getting to the point. You're not building enough. You're not doing, you're not, you're not, I'm, I'm, I will be my toughest critic until the day I die. In my practice, when I step in front of an audience and I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. But I can't get there unless I am my toughest critic behind closed doors. So I do find that like it is absolutely essential to step away from the score. Or I'm looking at collisions, and that shouldn't be spelled that way. That's an augmented second. I, I'm looking at all of the shit that me and my MIDI controller just did. <laughs> <laughs> and... That is not a good state of mind to listen. I need to experience it. And I have excellent taste. We all have excellent taste mm-hmm. for our own music. Mm-hmm. And those whose tastes align with ours. There's a reason the three of us call each other when we're stuck in a compositional problem. And it's because our musical, ta- well, our styles are very different. Our musical tastes align. Mm-hmm. Just like the people who listen to our music the most, those people. If we ever have a fan club, our niche of new music, it is because those people's tastes align with ours. There is a reason, and I'm going to bring this back to a point I know we thought we'd gotten past. There is a reason. (laughs) Good pre-frame. Someone like Taylor Swift has so many fans, and it's because Rob can't stand the averageness (laughs) <laughs> of the music. However, 
<laughs> that very averageness is what appeals to millions and millions of people. <clears throat> yes. You you are so correct. <laughs> so you are not wrong. <laughs> in my own practice room, where I am practicing the craft of composition, I'm being an absolute tyrant to myself about what I'm willing to sit through at a concert. Just like Taylor Swift is one of the best PR people that's ever lived because she is an absolute tyrant behind closed doors at what millions of people will sit through at a concert. We have the same method and very different technique. Mm -hmm. And I love her. (laughs) Aww. Uh, Rob has learned to just leave it at that. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Learn, learning that is learning not is what important. I thought you <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, so Rob you two listen I I, I take <laughs> okay so I, I I was having a conversation with a student early, uh I guess last week um because today's Monday and I keep forgetting that today's Monday um and we were we were talking about I guess we were talking about like instincts, you know, and, Mm. and, and we were just, I I was, I was telling him that like, I guess as I get older and older, you know, I tend to rely on intuition. I tend to rely on instincts a lot more than I would have, I would have, I would have admitted, uh, when I was a younger composer because can I go ahead? Can I quote Taylor Tomlinson at this please, point? Can I, can please, please quote can I say, her. Well, because now you have a gut to listen to, right? right? It's, yeah. <laughs> That's why we're so thin in our 20s. We don't have a gut to listen to. <laughs> that that clip comes up on my TikTok about once a week, I would say. I love it yeah, so, so good. much. So good. Maybe don't date a DJ. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess like, Oh, when God. when I was younger, I was kind of obsessed with the idea of perfection, with the idea of system, with the idea of like, oh, shit, this, you know, someone could write a paper about this and it would just all line up perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, and <laughs> and through experience, I've just learned that the best parts of pieces are the well sometimes uh the best parts of pieces are the outliers are the things that break the system are the things that seem like they don't belong you know and it's like i was telling the student it's like dude you have a system until the system stops working and then you gotta like you you have to you know rely on your own skills and and it I think at the time uh, when when I was a younger composer and I would like fight back against that idea of like, oh, I only read it with intuition. It's because I was fighting it back against douchebags that um, <laughs> describe their music only in those terms because they're so like they're so above using any sort of system or any sort of theory. Oh, I just write by intuition and it just falls out of me magically and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, 
or very guarded about their technique because they don't yes. want to give away the secret sauce, right? What they think is the secret sauce. Exactly. Yeah. Szechuan. Exactly. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just butter and garlic, babies. Like, that makes everything better. Um, anyway, so I think, like, it wasn't so much that I was at war with intuition. I was at war with douchebags that use that as their end all be all. And, and now, Mm. and now it's like, well, dude, you know, you, you've spent so much time developing this. Why not, you know, why not listen to the fucking gut that you obviously have now? Mm-hmm. You know, like as a 38 year old, uh, yeah, it's there, it's prominent and, uh, it, no, it knows some shit <laughs> while I am, while I am going to the gym and trying to get rid of it. I also listen to it religiously. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you just got to listen and anything that I, I, and I do tell this to my students is like anything that makes you go like, Oh. You know, when you're listening to it, like, oh, 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 oh. any, any time you have that reaction, it's obvious. Yeah, You have that reaction yeah. for a reason. And we love to ignore those. We love to ignore that reaction to just like, oh, let's just get past it to the good part. Well, right. do we? Do we? No. Well. Well, I mean, I mean, I. Who do I, you know that ignores that? I guess don't name names, but like I I don't know. Uh, I know I know people who don't know how to fix their own cringe moments. No, from from personal experience, uh, we are uh, uh, me me. So from personal experience, if I'm if I'm too close to something and not giving it uh, an acute self awareness that is that is very important for the compositional process, it would be very easy for me to rationalize or convince myself that no, it'll be fine. Like yeah. no, I'm no. This is just. This isn't a problem. This is an opportunity. Uh, no, no, it's a freaking problem, and it's gonna it's gonna derail everything. But it because because if I were being more objective, if I heard what I am doing in this moment in someone else's music, I would jump on it immediately. But because it's my music, that this, having too much of that personal connection, some people could, myself included, allow themselves too much leeway. By the we, oh, I don't do that. By the we, it was more the royal we. Okay, Got no, it. it was really me. <laughs> no, it was. It, I'm I'm talking about compo- like composers writ large. Yeah, like yeah. we love to ignore a problem just to like to to you know just to get up and and mostly that's a young composer problem. Well, it's not, and it's not just gonna come on. It's human. It's human. Like what, yeah. anything that we are involved in. Oh well, no, we can't be. We're not a terrible driver. Yeah. Everyone else is bad. Exactly. At this. <laughs> you know. You know. I still have a really hard time listening to ships passing, which is now like it. It's been premiered by North Texas. It won a fucking award. I hear the mistake in it. Oh yes, the compositional mistake every single time. I listen to the recording. I actually have to stop. Yeah. And I know it's a successful piece and I know that it it 
that that moment will largely be forgotten by history. And I can't ignore, which is why I never, those cringe moments, I will never run past them. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait, what the fuck are you? Why did you go wrong? Oh, that's it. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Okay. I forget where I was going with this. Something oh, where, about where you, where you go? Where you, Cincinnati. <laughs> it was Cincinnati. What about I'm Cincinnati? Sure. That's where you were going. <laughs> Well, the next place I'm going is Kansas City. That's this weekend, oh, and then and then yeah. Tampa the next weekend. Jeez, look at you! Oh my God. Um, okay, since since we brought up Taylor Tomlinson, can I tell you my intrusive petty thought that came to mind this week? Go for it. Sure. None of you know anything about this woman, so I, that includes every single listener on here. You know that bitch from high school. That one. All of us have one. It was me. Okay. So <laughs> my, that bitch, posted a picture with a boyfriend that she is soft launching on Facebook. And I looked and I, any Taylor Tomlinson voice went, hope this one doesn't cheat on you like the last three and your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jamie. I am petty. There it's was been tw- over twenty years. <laughs> okay, so there's there's this person from undergrad that uh, Kate, that I went to school with. Kate knows just by virtue of being in the scene. Um, mm-hmm. And this person is coming across Kate's uh, Facebook all of a sudden, and it's like Kate has nothing good to say about this person. <laughs> And and it's like, dude, why the fuck do you care? Like, we are so far removed from this person. It's like, but it, you know, it's, anyway. So maybe, maybe they, maybe they are something. that bitch. You know, maybe. they did maybe. something. They're, and it, it's it's more like they're doing something now that is not necessarily like offensive, but it's. To the point of like, dude, we all know what you're doing. It's transparent. Transparent. Cut it out. Okay? Yeah. You're not gaining followers because of this. Anyway. <laughs> but, okay. So, the whole point of this conversation with my student was... Oh, yeah. oh you found it. I found it. I got back there. <laughs> Good. The whole, the whole point was like, you... Uh, your your intuition is not something to be ignored. However, it's not necessarily something to be trusted until you've taught it enough. Mm. It's it's yeah. not something to be ignored, but it is something to be informed. Yes. Yeah. So it's like at this point, I can actually trust it because it's had the experience. I've written enough. You know, I've listened enough. I know essentially who I am as a composer and the choices that I want to make. Even if those eventually change, I still trust the fact that it's like, you know, I I, I know what I know and I am who I am. You're now aware of the process. Yes. But for students, like of the, of the student age, where they're like, oh, you know, uh, Intuition, you know, I I just write intuitively. It's like, eh, maybe maybe learn a little bit more before you say that, you know. 
like trust the process a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. get into some shit that you don't know before you mm-hmm. just fall back on the only thing you do know. There mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, we could totally spend four years teaching you how to be good at one thing and you wouldn't make it anywhere. Yeah. But if you step outside of your comfort zone and learn a bunch of different things that better inform that gut, then your style that you came in with is going to be the richer for it. And I think this is the difference between millennials as teachers and former and past generations is there's a lot of people who came out of 60s and 70s college and publicly eviscerate their own education because they were forced into pigeonholes. I think right now what we're doing is, yeah, but if you ever have to write for a horror film, like you are going to be writing Penderecki mm-hmm. light. And if you ever want to, there are plenty of other examples. It's Monday. It's been a very long day. It started with this nice storm. Um, <laughs> but if you, those types of things, if you have the skills to do those, they are easily transferable into your own style. But you have to expand in order to make sure that your comfort zone is as big as it should be. Mm-hmm. Not just, I never left my hometown. Well, <clears throat> my favorite thing to teach students... Of student, composition. Yeah, my, my favorite thing to tell students in that regard is there, is there is nothing wrong with C major. C major is lovely. For you, I would like C major to have been a choice. <laughs> Not the default. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yes. Like, like not, not, I would like C major to have been the conscious choice, not the default. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Man, I'm going to use that. That's a great phrase. Steal away. Steal away. I'm probably stealing it from, I don't know, Berg. Who knows? Like, right? How just, come he gets that and I am leaving here with Trash Panda Technique <laughs> as my <laughs> legacy? <laughs> To be fair, Tra- yours is better. <laughs> Trash Panda is so, that is we know what that means. You know? <laughs> that is it's visceral. Yes, totally. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. All right, I well, think I did it. I think we we did two questions. <laughs> An hour and. F- and a half later. I love that, like, when we started this series, Rob started with, like, seven questions, and he sent them to us two days ahead. And then I was like, nope, fuck that. I'm doing I'm doing three questions, and you've got to suffer. And, and Andrew was like, I'm going to have a computer do my questions. Andrew's going to have a computer do his questions. And, yep, and yeah, now. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's a process. To be fair, my second, my, my second round of questions was, I'm having a mental breakdown. Help me. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. You had you had other ones, but oh, I don't I don't even know where those are necessity. anymore. That's funny. That's really funny. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website www.adjectivenewmusic.com. 